millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to the first World in Sports for 2015. I'm Vinny Wiley. This week, Fiji and Samoa's netball teams get the chance to test themselves against one of the best. Kumul's rugby league coach Mel Meninga talks up PNG's future and Tonga Rugby has big aims going into a massive year. But first, organisers remain confident Port Moresby will be ready when the Pacific Games kicks off in less than six months' time. Contractors are working around the clock to complete venues and accommodation in time for the July start, which at one point was two years behind schedule. The Executive Director of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue, says the facilities are moving ahead very quickly now, and while it will still be a close finish, everything looks good. Much the same, and we had some um, information just last week that the Games Village is actually doing a little bit better than what we perhaps thought at at this sort of stage of the development. We might have more of the accommodation blocks uh, finished than we actually need, and uh, that would be very, very welcome. I think the sporting facilities as well are moving ahead very quickly. Uh, we were last there in uh, in November and the President of the Games Council and myself will be up there again in about two weeks from now just to uh, keep another eye on things. But yeah, the indications that we're getting is that even though it's a tight thing and people are working around the clock still and will have to uh, continue to do so, uh, it looks like we'll be be uh, ready to go for uh, for all of the sports, which is absolutely very welcome. What about in like a historical sense? And, and you've obviously you know been in this position with mini and full Pacific Games in the past uh, compared yep. to previous games and, and where countries are tracking. Is it a similar? Is it a good spot? If we look back over several past games, I think there's other instances where you know facilities got completed pretty close to the event itself. Probably the only one that stands out a little differently, at least in my time, was uh, New Caledonia in 2011 and the, and the main reason for that is that New Caledonia having hosted the games twice previously to, to 2011 had kept a lot of their venues in very good condition so they didn't need to build as much infrastructure as hosts like PNG or Samoa back in 2007 so yeah the, the general experience is that our host countries need you know pretty well all of the six or seven years that we give them between awarding the games and hosting them. PNG is no different in that respect. So uh, as long as we get good fields of play for the 28 uh, sports and the athletes, we'll all be happy. And it certainly looks like we're in that position or close to it now in uh, in PNG. And PNG have been making quite a big deal about the legacy aspect of it and they, they do yes. want these venues to be uh, memorable and they want them to be lasting for their own people, uh, obviously once the games are finished and, and keeping them to a high standard. So uh, the willpower in PNG within the government, I guess, and the people on the ground to get it ready in time. Yeah, there really is, uh, Vinny, and they're taking sport very seriously in, in Papua New Guinea. As you probably know, there's lots of uh, opportunities to host in you know Oceania regional championships in, in all of and you know, perhaps one day even to think about doing something like the Commonwealth Games. So they are putting a lot of money and effort into their venues. I think um, one of the pleasing things for us uh, in terms of the legacy is that they're also putting a lot of thinking and resources at the moment behind what comes after the 2015 Games in terms of keeping those venues in good condition. 
You mentioned that in the next month or so, you'll be starting to get the the, t- the sort of idea of numbers. And is there is there a rough idea yep. at this point as to what what you guys are expecting? I think the overall numbers that we're expecting would be somewhere in the order of three thousand athletes, possibly a little higher. We had two thousand seven hundred at our games four years ago in New Caledonia. Um, PNG has an additional sport; they put twenty eight sports on their program, so we might get up to the three thousand mark. Um, time will tell on that. Of course, it depends on on the financial position of all of our members and and their national federations in all of the sports. But somewhere around the 3,000 mark, perhaps about 1,000 team officials. So we're looking at being able to house around 4,000 participants in the Athletes' Village across those two weeks of the Games. OK, and uh, the slight addition in numbers, you mentioned the extra sport, does the, you know, the increasing uh, participation of New Zealand Australia, does that, you know, add to, I guess, that's part of it, is it? add to it a little bit as well we probably of course those two countries are only invited in four of the 28 sports so the numbers from from their delegations won't be huge i think the australian team is looking at somewhere around the 70 mark for athletes and team officials new zealand might be slightly smaller than that Um, so we're looking at probably 120 plus additional participants because of those uh, invitations to australia and new zealand um, so yeah, that will have an impact on the overall numbers, but not not a not a huge impact. And in terms of that actually happening, obviously, you know, we've had the rubber stamp uh, previously, and yep. that is happening yep. now. Uh, what you know, oh, yeah. what is, what has the reception been like? I think uh, I think last time this was discussed, um, you know, some countries hadn't got back to you in terms of how many they intended to send or what level they intended to send. Uh, is is the now that they've been given the ability to be invited in those four sports, is is the interest there? Are they looking forward to it? Olympic committees of Australia and New Zealand have formally accepted the invitation. I think the issue now is just how many athletes they'll bring in each of the sports that they're invited to participate in. I think if you look at those four sports, if we take, for example, weightlifting, where the Pacific Games is actually a formal qualification event for the Rio Olympics, so you would expect in that sport we'll have a very good uh, contingent of Australian and New Zealand uh, athletes coming. Some of the other sports that they're invited to, we'll just have to see uh, as we get close to the time, what the numbers are. But the commitment from both Olympic committees has been very positive and uh, they're very uh, grateful to receive the invitation and have accepted it uh, with open arms, which I think is is, uh, is a very good thing. That's the Executive Director of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue. Fiji and Samoa have been handed a stern reminder of their place in the world netball pecking order following heavy defeats against New Zealand in the Oceania series. The Silver Ferns crushed Fiji 81-28 and Samoa 89-23 in their opening two encounters, illustrating the gulf between the teams ranked 2nd, 7th and 14th in the world. The matches in Suva are the first time that New Zealand have played a test in the Pacific and Fiji coach Kate Carpenter says it's a valuable learning curve for her team. So we've really enjoyed all the build-up and, and obviously the matches. Um, uh, really really aware now I think that the whole team of or the reminder about what top netball is against the ferns the intensity the speed and the conditioning all, all those sorts of things so looking really looking forward to the rematch on Thursday and of course uh, Samoa uh, tonight. Yeah in terms of that ferns game I guess you know you talk about the ball speed through the court there for the silver ferns it's pretty lightning quick isn't it very hard to contend with and Perhaps at times uh, your team struggled to to get the ball through the uh, thirds, um, but you know there were a couple of periods there, especially at the start of the uh, first couple of quarters, where you were quite competitive. Yeah, we were happy with the first and second quarter, and I 
I think we were talking about um, after the match, we thought we were com- competitive to, for half the game. Um, at this point in time, um, where we are in our preparation, but certainly uh, we trailed off in the in the third and fourth, and and um, and you know, yeah, it all just happened. As you said, it just all happened uh, too fast, and and we just um, you know conditioning fell off as well. So the interesting thing though now is that we get the rematch on Thursday, so we get an opportunity to understand how that felt, put some changes. Um, and place some more strategies and tactics and perhaps be able to get some different athletes on court, perhaps some of the younger ones who, who had the benefit of just sitting and watching um, on Monday night. Would you anticipate that going into that rematch that the players that do go onto the court for the Pearls would go in with quite a different mindset? I guess inevitably when you haven't played them for a few years and I think only a few of your team had uh, come up against New Zealand before, you know, you might be a bit overawed, you might be a bit nervous. It's obviously a big game, you, you want to do well, but they know what to expect this time, so perhaps when you go on court for the second match, um, it's, it's a different feeling. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I think not only playing the Ferns first up, but our first international match for six months. So, you know, the, the first match is exactly what it is, the first match. And I think the other thing that we do quite a lot, what we've done in the past, is run a particular line and stayed with it. So um, we we have combinations that are tried and true and tested, but then to introduce other players, sometimes the connections and the understanding, the communication is not quite there. So the match against Samoa tonight will also give us another opportunity of match play and, and another 60 minutes of intense netball. So I think we will be better on... Thursday and, and we really need to be and we need to have learned um, from the, the two previous matches because, yeah, it's quick. We need to learn and learn quickly. That's the Fiji netball coach, Kate Carpenter. Papua New Guinea rugby league coach Mel Meninga believes the country is becoming more competitive and will continue to grow in the build-up to the next World Cup. The Kumuls team returned to winning ways against Tonga last year following a winless World Cup campaign in 2013. The success of the PNG Hunters in the Queensland Cup has also helped a handful of players earn contracts in Australia and the UK. Melbourne Inga spoke with Barry Guy about the progress in PNG, but began by talking about the rise of the Rugby League Nines. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, all the feedback from the Nines was extraordinarily good. Um, everyone loved the, the concept. Um, obviously, the, the entertainment and the event itself um, you know, was, was, a, was a fantastic experience for everybody. And the city of Auckland was, you know... Um, up in, in lights, and you know, it's what a great what a great uh, start to what I think uh, a nines tournament can. You know, I think nines can be taken around the world and be a great league showpiece. And and nine, the number of players, you're happy that worked well. Do you think? Yeah, I do. I, I I've played in the sevens, and I've coached nines in a nines tournament before. And I'm, I was talking to Dino, you know, year before, you know, before the con- talking about the concept, and I just think two extra players on a on a footy field. On a rugby league field, you know, actually makes it more like rugby league. It, it's fair on the defensive qualities of players, and that's what our game is probably distinguishable to other sports. Is that you know, defensively, um, we've got some outstanding qualities. So I mean, it's actually two more extra players on the field brings defence in the game. I think it's a fair and a better fair and, and even contest then. This competition coming up, do you see uh, the way that it's played or the way that the players handle it uh, changing slightly from last year? Oh, everyone will improve on it. Um, I think, um, you know, I mean, it was just test and see last year. I mean, I think just looking at the game, and uh, I think a lot of coaches now understand that you don't really have to change any strategies or tactics 
it's very similar to you know a game of 13 really with nine players on the footy field. So um, you still got to you know, gain momentum, get a quick play of the ball, and so for your your outside men to to take advantage of that. And you know, a bit like the sevens where you, you know in the rugby sevens where you you know the ruck and more you got to control the ruck area before you can you know expose um, holes out wide. So you know it's it's very similar to the nines is very similar strategy wise to 13s. Okay, so you still got to do the basics, but obviously, uh, you know, speed and that sort of thing is going to help you. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, there's more space between defences, defended players, but you know, there's there's two extra players. It's, it's fair on the on the defensive team. So, yeah, I mean, you'll get you'll you'll get the occasional great hit, but you know, if speed is a is a very as an asset in um in in, in nines, definitely. Did I see Ken Nagus? Is he coming to play again? <laughs> yeah, forty. 42, I think, mean, Kenny, but he's fit as a fill. He's, he still plays a bit of you know backyard footy in, in Canberra, so I mean, he's keeping himself you know extraordinarily fit, and you know he'll surprise. He'll be a surprise packet. I mean, people people you know obviously, oh, what are you 42? You're joking. What's he doing playing against young men? But um, he'll hold his own. Don't worry. So he's going to turn out for Canberra, is he? Yeah, Canberra. Yeah, well, I probably need all the help we can. Plus, poor Canberra Raiders followers, you know. So. He'll he'll be fantastic for the Raiders and a great spectacle. I mean, he's a great player in his day. He's got a bit of charisma about him, but you watch how quick he is. You know, even at the age of forty-two, you know, it'll surprise a lot of people. And what about Queensland um, after last season and looking ahead to the new season? What uh, how's your planning for oh, that going? Yeah, no, it's all going great. We're over here at the moment. Um, we're going through our emerging squad, so our fringe players, our ex- next echelon of players, are. I've been taking through the paces last weekend and this weekend as well, you know. So, I mean, we've got some great depth at the moment. Um, you know, we didn't win the series last year, but uh, that hasn't um, curtailed our enthusiasm or optimism and positivity about next year. Now, we have plenty of followers in the Pacific. You're also coach of Papua New Guinea. What's uh, the situation there? Uh, it's going really well. I'm very pleased with its progress. Obviously, with the Papua New Guinea side and the Hunters playing in the, the Queensland Cup, so they're starting to get a bit of international experience. Uh, playing in tougher competitions week in, week out. Uh, the travel, obviously, of that as well is difficult and is a challenge. So, you know, in three years' time, I'm, I'm very confident that we'll have a number of public Guinea players playing the National Rugby League. It's starting to happen already. Playing the English Super League, obviously playing in the, the Queensland Cup as well. So we're going to be certainly at a better standard and, you know, we're going to be very competitive, I, I believe, um, down the track. I think where they are at the moment is is perfect. You know, I think playing in the, at that level. Um, yeah, it's quite obvious that Pacific Island heritage uh, is making a big impact in in rugby league now. So you know, PNG perhaps hopefully will continue to get more uh, of a foothold yeah. as well. There may be some sort of um, sentiment around a Pacific Island team playing in the National Rugby League competition that that might have some some legs as well. I'm not quite sure, but at this stage, um, you know, Papua New Guinea has such enthusiasts of the game, they just love the game of rugby league, that you know, eventually I think it will happen, but at the moment it's small steps. And that uh, the Hunters, was it? They they did quite well in the Queensland Cup in the end, didn't they? I mean, you know, well, they exactly. won their fair share of games. Well, that was the national side too, you've got to remember. So the national side, it comes sixth in the Queensland Cup, you know, so, but the more exposure they get to these type, types of games, the more exposure they get to international rugby league, the better they're going to get. It will take time. Of course, the, uh, the the downside is the exposure all these guys are going to get. They're all going to get nicked off to NRL teams, I suppose, which isn't a bad thing. No, that's excellent. That's that's the whole the whole idea is to 
get them playing in the best competition in the world, you know. So if they're doing that consistently week in, week out, well, then that enables them to do what Samoa does. And um, it's actually, you know, brought the standard of New, of New Zealand back up to where now every time Australia plays New Zealand, it's, it's a great contest and you're just not quite sure who's going to win, you know. So that's what the National Rugby, does, Rugby League does to players and um, gives them the confidence to come back and play for their, their own nations to, and do really well. That's Mel Meninga speaking to Barry Guy. Meninga will also coach the PNG team in the upcoming Cabramatta Nines tournament in Sydney later this month. Tongan rugby officials believe big things are in store in 2015. The Ikale won two of three matches on their November tour last year and are talking up their chances of making the quarter-finals at the Rugby World Cup in September and October. The Tonga Rugby Union's high-performance manager, Peter Harding, says this is the year where all of their major teams return to the top. Even before we hit the World Cup, we've got really big competitions coming up for us. Three main teams, which is under 20s and 7s, and the Kalitahi to be successful this year, the, we're going to have pretty well, very highly representative Tongan teams in all three competitions, the 7s. This is a year we're definitely going to get back on the circuit by going well in Hong Kong and in London. So we'll relaunch the sevens team in Tonga Rugby. And um, the under-20s, we were so close last year and we're making a lot of improvements this year, so they'll be back in the Junior World Championship by 2016 as well. So by the time we get to the World Cup, under-20s will have had a success and sevens will have had a success. So that'll set us in a really good footing for the Kalitahi when they come here in July. Get ready for the World Cup. How important is it, I guess, you know, you talk about the different national teams uh, to sort of get them all at that higher level. So I guess, you know, in many ways, the, the talent from uh, at home with the sevens and the twenties can kind of flow through to the next tier, I guess. You don't get any better. Like, you can you can hang around and play the same level of footy for the rest of your life and you're never going to get any better. It doesn't matter what sport you're in or who you are. The only way you're going to get any better is playing against better people. There's no doubt. The Junior World Championship, as you saw in New Zealand last year for the under-20s, was a remarkably high level of rugby, if you remember. It's incredible. So we, if you know, we're going to get our under-20 boys, and we pick under-20 Tongan represent, representatives from around the world. We want them to play against the best guys, best teams in the world, the South Africans and the Englands in the under-20s, you know. Unless you play these competitions, you never know what the level is expected, the level of physical, the level of mental, and the level of technical that you need to get through and be successful as you know later on in life in rugby as a pro or as an international player. You, ha- you have to play in these competitions. In terms of the sevens team, uh, w- what exactly do they have to do in Hong Kong and in London to, to make sure that they are on that circuit? Last year they played, there was a second string tournament in Hong Kong and then a second stringer at, um, in London. Yeah, the qualifiers, yeah. The top two of, yeah, top two of both, and then the top bottom two of the 12 dropped out and the top two went up. Now, we went really well in Hong Kong, and we had some problems with um, visas and stuff. We went to London now. We were disrupted in our preparations and missed out by spot. Now, this year, we're not going to have those problems. OK, and uh, in terms of the Ikaletahi, obviously uh, a massive year ahead. Uh, goes without saying, uh, a successful World Cup last time where you guys grabbed uh, plenty of headlines uh, and, of course, uh, you know, a, a good end-of-season tour uh, in November as well for the... Uh, team with uh, Mana and uh, and Jake White helping out there, so uh, some positive uh, steps to build on. We're looking forward to carry that into the Pacific Nations Cup which is you know the tournament immediately before the World Cup next year. The team's going to come up here to start for the coronation of the King to um, have a camp here and um, once we have the camp here we'll kick on from here to Canada for the PNC and then on to the World Cup after that.
so close to the quarterfinals in 2011. I imagine that would be something you guys are targeting and believing that you've got a, a chance of getting. Is, is, is that what you're aiming for? We're aiming for a win against Georgia, a win against Namibia, a win against Argentina. And then if you saw against New Zealand in that first game, they didn't really put their best foot forward. They didn't really start playing hard until the second half. And then they put the Frighteners on the Kiwis, if you remember. You know, we win those first three games, we go in with an even chance against the Kiwis in that fourth game, and anything can happen, can't they? It's a, it's a, it's a tournament. <laughs> anything can happen. That's the Tonga Rugby Union's High Performance Manager, Peter Harding. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.